welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm delighted to have with me um, Connor Heaney, who is MD of CXC Global in um, EMEA, which is Europe, Middle East and Asia. Um, I think I've got that right, yes. <laughs> but, but correct me. Yes. But um, a little bit about Connor and about um, CXC. So CXC um, is a global HR outsourcer, which aims to connect businesses with gig workers and contingent workers, which is why I want to talk to Connor. And and Connor has spent the majority of his career in resource and talent management, and we won't add up the number of years, um, but, <laughs> but he has significant experience in recruitment and solving clients' um, problems um, with talent. Um, and his focus is obviously on the contingent workforce and is very busy, which is, which is good. So we're really pleased to have you with us, Connor. Have I got all that correct? And is there anything you would like to add? You, you have indeed, Julia. And thanks, thanks very much for having me on. That's, that's a really nice summary. And I'm really excited to be here, Julia, and I can't, can't wait to get uh, chatting on what, whatever we're going to talk about today. So thank you very much indeed. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So um, funnily enough, today with you on, we, we're going to talk about international opportunities. And so most of our listeners are based in the UK. Um, so what sort of international opportunities are there at the moment for contingent workers? Great question, Julia. So, I think there's an abundance of opportunity everywhere. And I would describe if you're a worker at the moment with highly sought after skills, it's almost mm. as I would describe the great rebalance. It seems to me that, okay. that the power is starting to revert back to the workers, at least those workers that are in a niche or highly demanded um, skill set. And they can essentially yeah. negotiate or name their price. And then if you couple that with the current skills shortage, which is global in nature, uh, mm. the, the amount of companies hiring globally, and then as a result of the pandemic, the amount of companies that are hiring internationally, but are willing to hire workers that are in different locations or jurisdictions, the, the world, as my grandmother would say, is your oyster at the moment. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. that sounds trite to say right so although there's an abundance of opportunity we would underlie that with an abundance of caution right so um there's certainly the the opportunities are out there now what happens when you're actually going to be engaged or employed by those overseas entities so what you know how are you going to provide your services will you do it through an umbrella company a peo your own limited company vehicle or psc uh, will you be employed by that company directly if they don't have a legal entity and payroll in, in, in your host country, which is the UK, if you're a worker there, and I, I know your audience is, um, that, that's where the, the note of caution comes in. But I have to say, 
Julia, it's a, it's a, it's, I'm an optimist. It's a, it's a great time to be a worker. It's a great time to be a worker if you're, you've got skills that are niche or in demand. I mean, the, the, the abundance yeah. of opportunity is there. Yeah, and I, all of the recent headlines I've seen about kind of the workforce and recruitment is all pointing to um, skill shortages and businesses are struggling to get the talent they need. So my assumption, therefore, is if they can't get permanent employees, they are increasingly likely to want contingent workers um, in kind of whatever shape that they they're available in is is that a correct assumption it, it it is it is julia and we of course we're going to be positive about our business but we we see we yeah. see business globally julia so for your you're right for context i look after european middle east and, and africa sorry that was the only thing but so we're across like 30 countries in in europe through about 14 legal entities so we're, we're seeing wow. we're seeing that demand from our our clients and they're going to the market directly. Uh, they're going to the market through their usual recruitment supply chain channels, i.e. recruitment vendors or staffing companies. But we're, we're seeing an interesting growth in the market through uh, companies seeking to use what we call talent marketplaces, uh, Julia. So, okay. so some yeah. of your workers, uh, sorry, some of your listeners that are workers may, may already be on those. So the, the best known ones would be um, organizations like freelancer.com or Upwork okay. or Instawork or Fiverr or people per hour. And yeah. organizations are really struggling to, 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 to hire talent. You're, you're right, Julia. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're in the middle of this labor market paradox that the Financial Times have described, whereby you've got, unfortunately, still millions unemployed or displaced on, on furlough schemes, yet, yeah. yet you've got large and medium-sized companies gone, or even small companies gone, how the hell do we find the talent that we need? You know, I was back home yeah. in Belfast, uh, where I'm from, uh, a few weeks ago, once all the lockdowns ended and whatnot, Julia, and I, I, got, yeah. I got talking with a restaurateur, right? And he was saying, do you want to be a chef? And I said, it's not, it's, it's, it's not something, it's not something I've ever considered um, because, you know, you watch the Gordon Ramsay shows and whatnot. And he said, well, you should consider it because they, people in the restaurant business cannot get chefs to return to work for whatever reason. I think the pandemic um, has, has maybe made chefs go, well, actually, do I need to be working Friday, Saturday nights when I could could be doing that? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. But, but consequently, what the skill shortage has produced is 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 um, this salary or wage inflation. So the guy, the the restaurateur today would have paid half the salary that um, a year ago or two years ago that the chefs that are in demand what what are, are requesting wow. today. So so you've got a skill you've got a skill shortage. Unfortunately, you've got millions still displaced from their jobs. Um, and then mm-hmm. you've got this this wage or salary infl- inflation creeping back up, and then you've got yeah. you've got all these different ways of finding jobs now. Um, so it's it's a really interesting uh, development to see. But to answer your 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 question in, in short form, Julia, demand for contingent workers is like nothing I've ever seen. I've I've been in yeah. I've been in the recruitment talent human capital sector. Uh, gosh, you're right. Too many years. 15, 16 years. No, I love it. Absolutely love it. But um, <laughs> I've I've never seen demand for independent workers like this. Even mm. even after the Great Recession in 2011, there was a boom in trans- yeah. transformation IT programs and um, the IT recruitment and talent sector exploded 
but this yeah this yeah. isn't even on par with this it's a, it's a next level up and i, I started my staff wow. staffing career in 2007 in the midst of the global boom and worked with all the banks and huh. con consulting firms and that was busy but this this is off the off the charts as companies seek to wow. introduce robotic process um, automation they want to digitally transform um, they need to prepare their IT infrastructure and security infrastructure for remote working and the hybrid working model so it's it's such a fascinating time to be involved in this sector um, it's it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's mind blowing the pace of change and the demand for independent workers or contingent workers. So if I was a contingent worker today, I'd be pretty happy because you're now in a position, you know, IR35 aside and Brexit aside to call the, sh mm. to call the shots. And this is what I call this great rebalance. And it's people are calling it the great resigna okay. resignation. I don't actually, yes. um, I, 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 I accept the premise of it, but the, I would look at it a slightly different way. I think this is the time, and there's often short times in history where the power goes back to the worker, where the worker has a choice, particularly in those higher paid positions or niche positions to actually say no, or here's how I'm gonna work. I don't wanna go back to the bloody office. I don't want to go back on the London underground yeah. or the tube. I don't want oh. I don't want to commute from you know Birmingham to London every day or from Belfast to Dublin. Mm -hmm. I want to work from home, uh, doing a really good job. And I think I think we're gonna see that rebalancing from the employer with the power to the employee with the power because they're in demand. Mm. They've got they've got yeah. they've got the skills to pay the bills to use that trite phrase, but it's so true at the moment, Julie. Yeah, that's and the other interesting thing about all of that is um, businesses have had to operate in the last eighteen months with most of their workforce um, remote. So I'm I'm again assuming, never assume, um, but I'm thinking that businesses are now much more inclined to have contingent workers working on a remote basis. So perhaps the last eighteen months has broken down some of the barriers that might have been there be before for contingent workers. So is that is that kind of borne out by what you're Seeing. Yeah, I, I think that trust issue, if, if if that's the right way to describe it, for both mm. conti contingent workers and employees, um, what what the the pandemic has forced is forced trust, where yeah. organisations, end users, employers need to have trust in in their independent workers and their contingent workers. We're working with large enterprises that have had to rapidly adopt their operating mm -hmm. model to yeah. do this and. As you can appreciate, some of them are in the heavily regulated yeah. sector, and you know the thoughts for them two years ago of having contingent workers working on their systems from their bedroom or their garage or from yeah. a, a, a co-working facility would have just been yeah. mind-blowing, and would have been told no by security and facilities and whoever was the decision makers. But they had to adjust to that overnight, and that has stayed. And then you've got organisations, Julia. You know, I can think of one that comes to mind called um, Git GitLab. Okay, they yeah. they they've had a fully they they've had a fully global globally distributed independent workforce since World One wow. since they were they set up business. Their their position was, you know what, the world is a small place when it comes mm. to talent. We're going to go and find the best possible talent wherever they are. And if they're an independent worker, we're going to find out how to engage them compliantly in line with local laws and regulations. So there's companies that have been doing this for five to 10 years. And then there's the bigger enterprises that have just 
they've yeah. had to do it because the government's essentially said, hey, listen, you're closed, so you better find a better way for your people to work. Yeah, and I think um, some of what you were saying before about um, the power to, to the workers and things like that, that really resonates with me. It, it kind of sings to, to what I work um, is, is all about, which is kind of empowering, empowering workers. And I, I do think that as a result of the pandemic, the businesses that are able to engage their workers on that flexible basis um, are are more likely to retain the talent they they need, and I, I'm uh, and I guess the businesses that are forcing or actively encouraging everyone to come back to the workplace if that's not what their workforce want are potentially missing out on on talent is that is that what you're seeing or yes definitely and it 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 really the the power dynamic in my view has been flipped on its Mm -hmm. head julia between the employer and the employee and i think if you want to be an employer or end user of choice for a contingent worker or an employed worker you got to have more than just saying, hey, listen, you need to be in the yeah. office now because people have experienced the efficiency and effective and and, um, and rebalancing gains that, that, that they've been able to achieve from working from home. And I, I remember reading a, 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 a quote or a study from Forbes and they looked at, at companies that were remote first or had remote working policies. And and those that had remote working policies and flexible working policies and hybrid working policies, I think they're about 30% more profitable than those that didn't, okay. right? So, and that was pre-pandemic, wow. right, Julian? So imagine what that figure looks like. No, that's actually, that that needs to be my homework <laughs> uh, to, go and find, yeah. to go and find what, but, but I, I know from speaking to other companies and business leaders that they've seen a happier, more productive mm. workforce. That, that has been working from home. And, you know, if I was sitting down to, uh, as a large organization to map out what our environment looks like, I certainly wouldn't be mandating in a skills shortage, uh, rebalanced um, economic environment where, where the worker calls the shots yeah. for the moment. Yeah. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be mandating um, those workers, whether they're independent or employed to come back into an office. Yeah. And going back to your earlier example of the kind of hospitality trade um, and, you know, um, the shortage of chefs, which I know is very real. And I did hear um, or I saw on LinkedIn or something like that, um, somebody had got an Uber um, to to work um, or wherever they were going. And their Uber driver was saying that that they used to be a chef, um, but now they're earning more money working for uber doing what they want when they want it suits them they were furloughed they've had work-life balance through being furloughed they've rearranged their priorities and and you know that that's that's their that's their way of work of, of choice and so yeah hospitality is suffering severe shortages because people have had to make make another way through through being furloughed um and so i suppose it's not that surprising really um but um, anyway, so we talked a little bit around the emerging trends and that sort of thing. And I guess the question that people will be thinking is if they are a listener based in the UK, can they work for an overseas firm and still be based in the UK, if that makes sense? So so kind of homework. So just carrying on from what we were just saying. Yes, I, the, the short answer is yes, they yeah. absolutely can, um, Julia. So the... the, the that's the great news. And I, I think what that does is 
is to my earlier points, it opens up that abundance of opportunity, that world is your oyster capability, and that ability, frankly, to earn more money, right? Mm. Because, you know, let's say, for example, and, and I'll answer your question more fully in a second, Julie, but if I could just give an example. So let's say you're a Python developer and you're at the top of your tree yeah. and you're in London, and you're probably exceptionally well paid already. But if you were to compare yourself to the um, exceptional Python developer in San Francisco, mm -hmm. working for a top five or top 10 uh, technology company, you're going to be underpaid, right? That's okay. a given. Yeah. So, right, so, so what this, what this does now is gives you the ability to earn more mm -hmm. uh, working from home. So you can actually provide your services to companies headquartered in USA yeah. working, working from home. But I suppose there's some important points to consider. If you're an agency worker um, or an umbrella worker or a worker, um, how, how are you paid? Who's, who's looking after you? Is it a comp compliant provider? Are they FCSA if they're an umbrella provider? Are they reputable? Yeah. Are they paying the taxes on your behalf in <laughs> yes. the UK if you're engaged on the intermediary? Are they tax compliant so that you're not, that, that you're not at any risk there? Um, and then if, if they're able to employ you through a subsidiary company in the UK or some other entity that you're properly employed with a proper UK contract of employment, because what, what we have seen, Julian, what I've seen in the course of my career, oftentimes, and again, I'll use the example of the USA, USA companies aren't always aware that in Europe and the United Kingdom that the laws are very different when it comes to employment okay. yeah. uh, law, when it comes to misclassification. So what you'll find for the less mature um, USA companies, and the same principle could be applied to companies in mm -hmm. Hong Kong, China, wherever, I'm just using this as an example. Um, oftentimes they'll try and jam in a USA contract for services with USA place of dispute, or even worse, a USA contract of employment or temporary employment uh, that does not reflect the local rules and regulations where you're performing your services, which is the UK. Okay. So they're, they're just some, some things that I would like your listeners to be yeah. aware of, Julia, so that they don't um, they don't get bitten on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like then where you're where wherever geographically you're based that's the kind of jurisdiction that takes precedent over you know so so using using the american example you might be working for an american company and reporting into america but if you're working in the uk it's uk kind of laws that are applicable have i understood that correct, correct. Yeah. yes that, that's correct so uk if you're an employee it would typically be a uk employment law and also the crucial part is, is taxation as well of course the other um thing that we do need to mention which um i i'm sorry about also is <laughs> is the topic of brexit now how has that been impacting on the international scene so again thinking about our listeners who are um uk based um, um, it has how has it impacted? It, it, it must have, right? Yes. Uh, so my understanding, Julie, is that it, it's had a number mm. of impacts. It, number one is that it's, it's number one is that a lot of workers that were foreign nationals have went back to their yes. home country, um, and I, I don't think. Brexit was actually the reason for that. I think it was more pandemic and the fact that you might be able to access a furlough scheme or some other means of support, even though you're away or you know, what happened is companies said, listen, you can go back and work in your home country yeah. um, until this is over. And then suddenly the workers are caught there. Right. But I, I think I think I think Brexit has certainly had an impact on, on the skill shortage, generally mm -hmm. speaking, particularly 
in the hospitality, cleaning, um, and residential sector. We've seen this this flight out of yeah. the UK, yeah. um, which which is a concern. And and I, I suppose if you've got skills that are in demand, then maybe that puts you in a more competitive position to um, negotiate a higher rate or higher, high, higher salary. Um, I also think that Brexit um, has been problematic for end yeah. users because they've had to conduct extensive audits on people's right to work, uh, okay. whether they, they've had, a, whether they got the appropriate right to work or provide their services in the UK, I think it was after uh, June yes. the 1st. So that, that, that's been problematic. And then potentially what you've got now, Julia, um, and some of your listeners, unfortunately, might be in this position, they might not have got the appropriate right to work, but are still providing their services. Yeah. And they're, 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 they're probably in that limbo of what the hell did we do? You know, it's past the deadline now, what did I do? I, or my employer or end user has to come to me. So um, certainly they should check out the uh, .gov.uk yeah. um, rules and regulations and, and just just get that sorted so that they've got the appropriate right to remain and, and, and work here. And have your clients been more reluctant to engage UK-based workers due to any Brexit um, impact um, from, from their perspective, or has it has that not been the case? No, I, 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 we haven't seen that, okay. actually, but we've seen what, what we have seen. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. I, we have seen the companies that we work with move away from investing in the UK. So right. we, we would work we would work with a lot of companies seeking to expand into new markets, right? Yeah. So typically when it comes to Western Europe, they'll either pick Ireland or UK because we're English speaking. Yeah. And oftentimes they're American or Singaporean or Hong Kong and or Australian. Um, but what we find is that investment decisions um, have went to Ireland or France or Germany okay. or Netherlands okay. and companies have set, have set up and established there. So Brexit certainly had an impact on the UK um, and consequently workers mm-hmm. uh, through, through reduced foreign direct investment. Um, where we have seen a problematic area of hiring and reluctance to hire in the UK is IR35. It's, it's got to be called out. Yeah. I've, I've had three meetings today with large enterprises or intermediaries working on behalf of large enterprises, and all of them want to reduce their headcount in the UK. Oh, wow. Um, because of that. Because of, mm. of IR35, and also because of their organization's lack of readiness and ability to actually manage the IR35 process. They've just seen it as too too damn problematic for them, yeah. and they're going, right, okay, well, can, can we hire English-speaking people in Poland, Germany? Yeah. Netherlands. Well, if they go to Netherlands, so actually the same problem is going to apply though, because um, I, don't, I don't know if your listeners are aware or, or, or you are for that matter, but there's IR35 type legislation coming in on a pilot basis to the Netherlands, I think from um, October. Right. Yeah, okay. It, so yeah, the basic, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're ready for round three of, uh, <laughs> of uh, some, some sort of IR35 legislation, but that will be problematic for UK workers seeking to provide their services there too. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And so I, so on the one hand, um, being based in Ireland and being Irish, you must be delighted that Ireland is perhaps booming as a result of Brexit. But but from from the UK's perspective, um, then yes. I, I, I'm I'm really disappointed that 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 the off payroll um, and IR35 legislation is putting firms off. Um, engaging UK yeah. workers and that's 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 
I suppose it's not surprising because just very briefly for yeah. listeners, it's it's complicated and basically clients have to do some checks to make sure that the people they're engaging are genuinely self-employed um, and, and yeah. it's not straightforward. Um, and so for... For the UK to be missing business on the on the basis of, of what I think is a flawed piece of legislation is yeah. is unforgivable at, at the moment. You know, the the UK I should bring... be open for business in particularly in the context of Brexit. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Julian. I, I think you know. I remember. I think it was uh, Labour when they were campaigning against the Tories in '97. I think they used to talk about this double whammy. Mm. But um, in my mind. There is a double whammy in the UK in terms of the Brexit yeah. impact, uh, which is essentially displaced workers and 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 rightly or wrongly forced them to go back to their um, original original yeah. country. And then IR35 is the second part of that double whammy, and it's actually impacting UK exchequers. I completely agree with you, um, and I I know that the figures before the pandemic were something like twenty percent of um, the UK's workforce were working in non-permanent employment so that that's kind of um freelancing self-employed and everything everything in between and so it's in your experience compared to kind of the global level is the uk have a higher proportion of that type of independent contingent worker than 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 the rest of the world i i don't know if if that's an impossible question (laughs) to to ask um i i think i think I think the UK okay. is still in the top five in terms of top five top five economies that has independent workers and yeah. and freelancers. And I don't, the, the good news is I don't think R thirty five has killed it, uh, Julia. I think I think just organisations have struggled to get the grips with it, and, and foreign organisations going yeah, into the UK it just sure. blows their mind, um, unfortunately. But I, I still think there will be a, a growth in in the UK for independent work and, and freelance work. Um, a because of the skills shortage that you mentioned, but also because of the general trend since the Great Recession in yeah. 2009, 2010, where organizations are seeking to move away from what I would describe as a, a fixed cost model, whereby they've got employees, um, yeah. and full-time jobs with uh, all the associated costs, um, and, and I think a variable model where the, those costs can be reduced, yeah. albeit less, um, with IR35. Uh, is going to be more beneficial to them and it gives them yeah. the flexi- flexibility because the UK is still an exceptionally flexible labour market when compared to your your competitive peers in Netherlands and Germany and Austria. Um, there, there's a degree of flexibility and freedom for both employers yeah. and employees to move and, 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 and um, hire and reduce their headcount depending Absolutely. on certain circumstances. So I think that I think that trend will grow just given the, the skill shortage and, and, and uh, labour market flexibility. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's something that, that, you, that as you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about, actually, because um, to my mind, it's a no brainer. And when you were just talking then and you were saying, you know, the traditional workforce and, you know, um, full of permanent employees and, you know, they kind of do their job. And I thought, oh, goodness me, that's yes, awful. I know. I know. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's, it sounded so old fashioned to, to me. Um, and, yes. and, you know, having um, having a broad spectrum of workers gives the business that a, 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 the ability. Uh, 
ability to be agile and reactive um and and you know all, all of those all of those great things and position themselves ahead of their competitors who who have that kind of fixed workforce who perhaps aren't so able to take on different roles or don't necessarily have the skills that that they need um so so anyway sorry i've, I've gone off on on a slight tangent there I, I just get excited about about the potential of of the contingent workforce i think it's brilliant yeah me, me too and Juliet, listen i absolutely share your passion for this and the, the great thing about the freelance economy and independent work is that that all sections of society can get a taste of it right it's very accessible mm. and very flexible you know if you think about the, the platform uh, economy in particular yeah. i know it's often derided um around some of its regulations or lack thereof when it comes to the lower paid workers but you know if you're a student or an intern or someone that wants to get back into the workforce i you know i think of my own, own dad and hopefully you know he won't be too annoyed um about me but he is he is a, he is a worker too right so yeah. he had his own business the, the great recession fully displaced him he lost his business in uh, 2010 unfortunately but the gig work for the gig economy and the platform economy and the freelance economy was it allowed him a, a man who had great skills and experience but limited i suppose formal education yeah um no notwithstanding his intelligence and all, all that of course but it allowed him to get a foothold back into work mm -hmm. and a foothold to get back into the functioning economy and to start earning again Great. so I, I i think there's tremendous benefits and merits in the independent economy and the freelance economy and the gig economy yeah. because you know if it's done right you've got potential multiple sources of income right that's for me that I would love the dream to be realized of that section of the economy because when, when the gig economy and the platform economy, Julia, as, you, as you'll appreciate and know, when it was launched, these platforms was launched, it was launched in a way to make work accessible to all, right? Yeah, so that yeah. you could have your boring nine to five job or you could have a, a number of jobs running concurrently together. And that, that hasn't been realized, unfortunately, yet. But I, I still think there's great opportunity and scope for that to happen. Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, it it gets people back into the workplace. So like you, you said um, about, about your dad's experience, um, it also helps people who maybe have caring responsibilities to juggle work around that, or if they are housebound for whatever reason or they might they might have mobility issues it just opens yeah. up a whole world um uh to, to people and, and i absolutely love that kind of social um benefit as, as as well to to it all so we've we've had a really quick canter through lots of different issues um i, I i'm sort of reluctant to draw it to a close really but um and i could talk to you to you all, all day but have you got a couple of kind of closing comments which um you know i feel like i'm cutting you off in your prime but 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 apparently short episodes are what listeners want so um, <laughs> so so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with it so yeah a couple of um final comments if that's all right yeah so i, I think for 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 our, our, our your listeners julia that, that are, are working or are interested in work or want to get work is the time for you is now this is the time to reassert your power, get the power back and negotiate on your, I, I negotiate favorably for you. Yeah. Don't take the first offer. <laughs> Don't just, just really go after it because th there's probably no better time 
to be a worker because you have the power, my friends. Perfect. I love it. And there's so many opportunities out there on, on a global scale. So, so fantastic. Well, huge. Thank yes. you so much for your time. I will um, put some details about you in the notes that go with, with the podcast and obviously um, a link to CXC's um, website, which I'm sure has plethora of opportunities um, out there for, for people listening. But yeah, huge thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Julia, th- thanks so much. And I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank, thanks a million. Thank you for listening to Empowering Agency Workers, hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk, where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.